DNVR presents. The pitch is hit again to left field. It's got a chance. It's gone. Minor League Mondays. Your weekly look at some homegrown guys who are trying to make their way up to the big leagues. And here's your host, Patrick Lyons. Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast brought to you by Mile High Green Cross. Sign up for their loyalty program and receive 20% off your entire purchase once per month. Tag them and tag us to show us how our community supports one another at Mile High Green Cross. Well, welcome to the working week. It is Monday, so it's time to discuss the minor leagues at Minor League Monday here. I'm your host, Patrick Lyons, at Patrick D. Lyons on Twitter. And we've got a special guest with us today to break down some of the discussions that are going on right now between Major League Baseball and Minor League Baseball in regards to the retraction of a whopping 42 teams all across the United States. So this gentleman here is a fantastic student at the University of Colorado School of Mines, I should say, and He's, uh, he's done a lot of fantastic work. His name is Nathaniel Sunshine. And Nathaniel, before you jump into things, I, I want you to discuss briefly the, uh, your recent article that you got published uh, at the School of Mines Analytical Department about the impact of a very windy day and the effect that could actually have on a fly ball. Yeah, so... During this time, I just, I was sitting in my house and I was bored. And I decided to do a physics problem that was brought up to me by fellow student Robert Gower. And I wanted to know if a fly ball was hit straight up in the air and the wind was blowing at incredible speeds that baseball should probably not be played in, uh, how far would that ball go? If how fast would the wind have to be blowing to make that ball a home run? So I used um, Ted Williams' uh, record fly ball height of um, five of about five hundred feet, and I used Joey Votto's uh, twenty seventeen record hang time of seven point one seconds to solve. How to solve for how long the ball has to get uh, 302 feet, the shortest length at Fenway Park. And being that it's roughly at sea level, the most likely easiest ballpark to hit one in. Um, you would think Coors Field, but the way that drag works at Coors Field, being that the wind is the only force pushing it, actually causes the wind to be needing to blow faster and have more force. Um, So I ended up having that number be around 74 uh, to 76 miles an hour uh, at Fenway Park is the minimum wind speed needed to do uh, to make a fly ball of 
Joey Votto and Ted Williams proportions into um, into a home run. And the next question I had was, has there ever been a game where that kind of thing could have happened? And in reality, there have been two games nearly played where such an occurrence, had they had played the game, would have happened. The first was the 1961 All-Star game, where they do not have the official win speeds, but they do call it one of the windiest games on record. And I do assume that it was at least as windy as the July 19th, 2006 storm game in Bush Stadium of the Cardinals versus the Braves. In this game, Winds were blowing between 80 to 90 miles an hour. And, of course, I had to rearrange the equations to deal with the 352 feet instead of 302 that uh, or uh, that Bush Stadium had. Um, and even then, even with the longer distance that needed – 336, not 352. 336 feet that it had to go, it still would have made it under those conditions. I mean, these wind speeds are so immense. They're hurricane force winds in the middle of America, and they were literally throwing concession carts into the stands, hitting people. The wind was so powerful. The Braves and the, uh, the, Braves and the Cardinals actually took the field right before the storm hit and ultimately played the game after a two-hour delay. There was immense flooding. The storm drain got blocked, and a worker literally had to swim, swim out to the storm drain to unclog it and unclog the stadium. And uh, the Cardinals ended up winning that game, I believe, six to four. Um, so the nineteen the nineteen sixty one All Star game was played at Candlestick Park, which mm-hmm. is known to have had some crazy win scenarios. And that that game you're referring to in St. Louis, ultimately you your study resulted in the fact that, yeah, you could just virtually hit a, a pop-up or a lazy fly ball. And that thing would have, that thing would off. have flown. Yeah. That, yeah. There's a reason the article called it the, um, the night almost any ball would have gone the distance because yeah, that's, that's what would have happened is you could have hit a bloop single and that would have ended up in, you know, that would have ended up being a triple. <laughs> so, and and so you also, uh, as you mentioned, Robert Gower, uh, good mm-hmm. buddy of yours, and uh, you're both members of our local chapter of Saber. Uh, on Saber Day this past January, you two came together on a, a brief little research project uh, focusing on you know defensive analytics. That's the one area I think of the game of baseball right now that you know hasn't been perfected. Uh, I don't know if it will ever get perfected. I, I think some of the things that Statcast is doing probably has has moved things up a, a notch. But ultimately, what was your study uh, about with with Robert? Yeah. So what we wanted to do and accomplish is a lot of people in the community. They everyone loves the Rockies, of course they do. I mean, what's not to love? But we're kind of blinded by the immense offense that we are able to produce and of course it's not only the quote-unquote course field effect we are just 
very skilled at getting very good hitters. The problem is those fantastic hitters we have are not very good at defense. And a lot of people tend to overlook that. So one thing we wanted to help was expose the Rockies defensive woes and then also implement the new outs above average to show how great, uh, how great story and Arenado are as compared to the, as compared to the rest of the outfield. And then finally what we did was we used the new metric of we used the newer metric of outs above average for the outfield UZR and DR, DRS to optimize our outfield based on our current stock of players uh, to have the greatest output, which ended up being um, David Dahl in left field. Tapia in right field, and Hilliard in center field, based off of their 2019 stats. These are the areas where these players had their highest defensive production, even if they hadn't played a lot there. I mean, because obviously, uh, yeah. Um, and ultimately, hey, huh? ultimately two, two of these players still had negative numbers in UZR, and and Dahl still had a negative three DRS in left field, and that was his best position defensively. Yeah, I know you you guys worked really hard on that. It, w- it would be curious to see what that looks like across all of Major League Baseball with all thirty teams, especially mm-hmm. you know given the the size of the outfield at Coors Field and how much that can actually be a factor in, in defense. And it could be yet another one of those ways that, you know, playing at Coors Field can skew your numbers and statistics to the point where, oh, you know, is this guy really that good? Oh, man. Yeah, so that that would certainly be a, a yes, curious thing to look and, and something they have talked about is – Something they have talked about is how to do the DRS with um, stadiums taken into account. And for Coors Field, uh, for they believe that uh, I have seen some things saying that they believe every Rockies player should have a, I believe it's eight added to their DRS um, because of how big the outfield is. I mean, for Charlie Blackman, that's still, you know, and over it's still over negative like 20 D, negative drs but or uh desmond but um for other players yeah it would make doll look it would make doll look much much better and that kind of stuff and i do think that that is something that needs to be taken into account is where they are playing definitely well where we hope you guys are playing is at the Breckenridge Brewery Farmhouse because that is the spot if you want to get some of the top cuisine in all of the Denver metro area. Breck Brew is an official sponsor, of course, of DNVR. And at the farmhouse, when you use code DNVR, you will save $5 off your meal. Their number is 303-803-1380 from noon to 8 p.m., you can pick up. They've got a 15-can sampler through Drizzly, and they'll even go ahead and bring your food right out to the car for you. It's super easy. Definitely got to check out the farmhouse 
at Breckenridge Brewery. And another new sponsor we've got is WGT Golf. Love it. Love it. I'm already hooked on it. Uh, I do have to admit, uh, it's not only the most popular golf game in the world, but it's the official gaming partner of DNVR. You can actually download WGT and join the DNVR Clubhouse by going to dnvrgolf.com. It is so realistic. Now, the, the weather here in Colorado is definitely getting a lot nicer, so I'm, I'm sitting outside enjoying nature, but I'm doing it with a screen in front of my face because the views uh, at, at some of these courses is just fantastic from Pebble Beach, Bethpage Black, St. Andrews. The graphics are, are insane, and you're going to get hooked in the best way possible, especially when you can upgrade some of your virtual golf equipment to Titleist, Callaway, Ping, TaylorMade, etc. It's It's fantastic. Make sure you go to dnvrgolf.com and download WGT Golf today. Well, a bit of minor league baseball and major league baseball news that has come about before we get to our main topic of MLB retraction is MLB is now trying to discuss some options about playing in multiple states as we're beginning to see a decrease in in cases of COVID-19. And it seems like we might be getting our society and the world itself is getting somewhat back on track to maybe expanding to five or 10 different states. But one thing for sure is the state of Texas definitely seems to be in play with the amount of big league stadiums they have. The new Globe Life Park is, of course, domed. And right there in Houston, you do have Minute Maid Park. Now, full disclosure, Nathaniel, you are currently in Texas right now uh, as School of Mines has booted everybody off campus for the time being. And you've you've been to a a couple of these stadiums, even some of the the top minor league stadiums. What has your experience been down there watching baseball in the middle of the summer in Texas? It is hot. Um, Yeah, I have been – I have played at the – I have been to the old uh, stadium at Arlington, and – they they were they were not domed, uh, so the sun was blaring down. It was a hot summer day. It was actually in August, and you you will see temperatures up to, you know, over a hundred degrees, and they will play through it, and the players will not enjoy it. But being that Minute Maid and the Glo- and the New Globe Life are both domes, they will have the air conditioning and. I have been, well, nobody has been to the new Globe Life. Uh, I have been to the AT&T Stadium. Um, saw the Broncos play there. You know, that that nice little Manning uh, touchdown, ru- rushing touchdown, all that. And um, I saw, I and those AC systems that they have, they do work wonders The uh, for those huge, stadiums and i believe that it will be a great location it, they are minute made and globe life globe life's looking to be a beautiful park minute made is a beautiful park um you want me to talk on some minor league stuff uh, parks i mean the dell diamond isn't a dome hodgetown isn't a dome but both are that would make it very hard yeah. that would make it very hard yeah, to, that to would be make sustainable it, very hard but 
they both are they both are beautiful parks with great facilities, especially Hodgetown. Everything is new in Hodgetown. Um, I don't really know. I there's not very many people in Amarillo, and if they're not doing if they're not doing fans, that could actually be in its benefit because it's a brand new stadium with great facilities that has um, very little people, very little cases. So unless the MLB brings it with them, which I guess, you know, knock on wood, um, that could be a place that still gets hot. It is further north, so it's not as hot, but it still gets very hot. Um, you have Dr. Pepper Ballpark in Frisco. If you're doing Globe Life, you can um, actually go, th- you know, uh, Dallas, the Dallas area now has three major league yeah, or professional level ballparks right there in Dallas. So you could use Globe Life. Um, you can use the other one that's named. Is it also Globe Life? <laughs> the yeah. old one. They, just, um, they rolled it over. Yeah. Yeah. So you can use both of the Globe Lives. You can use Dr. Pepper Ballpark. Um, those are the three in that area. If you wanted, I, I wouldn't recommend they go down to the Austin area and use Round Rock, but Hodgetown is definitely possible. Um, you could do, if you're doing Minute Maid, you could do the, I know they want to bring in the Sugarland Skeeters. Um, I don't know much about their stadium, but it seems like it's definitely big enough uh, and it most likely has facilities that they will be able to use. Uh, you have Whataburger Field and Corpus Christi, so keep it localized to those areas, there are options for MLB to use. Not all of them are domed options, which, again, I do highly recommend that they use domes uh, if they're in Texas. In the yeah. Summer. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, I think Texas has the same issue with Florida as far as if you were to you know, station a, a large portion of baseball there, you would you'd have to play those games either late at night. I mean, you don't have to wait for the sun to go down. Even still, it's going to be incredibly hot or, you know, first thing in the morning. And I, I just don't know if that's entirely, no. you know, effective. I wonder if, if they could even squeeze a, a ballpark inside a Cowboy stadium. You know, that that is interesting. I do not know if Cowboy stadium is retractable or not. Um, you know, well, I don't think you want it to be. I think you want that AC blaring. <laughs> well, no, no, no. I mean, uh, I, I mean that is retractable. But I'm talking about uh, if the seating is retractable to make a more proper, uh, make a more proper ballpark. I mean, um, yeah, if you're if you're if you're playing the 2020 season without fans, um, I that's probably one of the luxuries of not having to worry about the logistics of that. So I think, well, I'm I think talking AT&T about for stadium. the, for the actual field size, like it, 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 I, it's, it's not a fan issue. I'm talking about if the field true would be able to be used as a, um, as a ballpark. But what you're saying is correct is if it were me making the rules, I would say probably only do it in Dallas do two day games in I mean obviously you probably have to do more, but do two day games in um 
the new globe life, do a night game in the old globe life, and then if you're feeling, you know, it's forty, it's forty minutes. The two, the new globe lives are fairly close to each other, but the Dr Pepper Stadium or Dr Pepper Field or whatever it is at Frisco is about forty minutes away from there. And um, so that's somewhat of a drive, but you could do another night game at the uh, Dr. Pepper ballpark. That's it. It's a ballpark. So yeah, AT&T stadium definitely would be an, would be an interesting. And that's right over there by the other it. two. So you could do You'd two more to. day games there. If you can get the, if you can get a field to fit in AT&T yeah, you certainly would have to have a green monster type situation. I'm sure Jerry Jones wouldn't mind if there was a Navy monster out in left hey. field with a gigantic cowboy star yeah. emblazoned on it. But as interesting as that option is, uh, you mentioned Dr. Pepper ballpark fans might be interested to know that uh, for the Rough Riders that play there in right field. Have you been to Dr. Pepper ballpark? I have not. I know what it looks like. It looks like a fantastic environment. Very interesting in right architecture. Hmm? Yeah. And in right field is a lazy river. Yeah. So you could go to the ballpark, sit in an inner tube and watch nine innings of baseball just floating around going back and forth. So as cool as this chase field is for having, you know, those hot tubs out there, which I think a lot of baseball fans probably aren't too crazy about the idea of that. You could uh, get a, a real tan out in the lazy river at Dr. Pepper ballpark. That's right. That is right. Yeah. Now there's a, some other discussions going on as far as the KBO, the Korean baseball organization, possibly working at a deal with ESPN as of Monday afternoon. It sounds like the two sides were somewhat close. Originally, I know that when they came to the bargaining table, ESPN pretty much didn't offer the KBO anything. And, uh, KBO felt relatively disrespected because it's like, well, wait a minute, you're you're saying you you're not valuing our product as as having any monetary value on it, uh, and ultimately, I think ESPN's you know uh, their their bargaining chip was like, look, we're giving you exposure, so that is what you're getting to in America, and so you might not be getting checks from us here. But you're going to be getting a lot of different checks from people all across the country, all across the the continent. Frankly, uh, for people going out buying, you know, Doosan Bears and LG Twins and, and various KBO products, and again, it just exposing uh, what you guys have to offer. So potentially, by the time you read this, there there may be a deal in place as the KBO is set to begin play on May 5th. So that'll be next Tuesday. And that will certainly be, you know, an exciting endeavor if something like that were to come to fruition. And finally there, the MLB slash MILB report that there was a deal close to retract 42 teams from the bottom of minor league baseball last week, as it was reported MILB immediately came out and said, no, 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 hold on. None of that is true. None of that, none of that is exact. Uh, we do hear that they are working and they are close to a deal. We don't know exactly what that is, but should the rumors be true, should it, it, it seem as if they are going to be 42 teams on their way out, well, that's exactly 
what we are going to talk about in our next segment. But before we get to that, I should point out to you that Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits has two locations conveniently located for you in Centennial and Highlands Ranch. They're locally owned with a massive selection. And they, hey, as always, when our partners support us, we need you to go support them, right? It's a it's a cyclical, synergistic situation we got going on. And Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits are where is where it's at. They've got the Brex Delicious 15-can sampler that they can deliver right to your door. You just got to download their app for incredible deals and sign up for their loyalty program. They're definitely going to take care of you because I tell you what, they definitely take care of us. And everyone out there that was commenting on RK's shirt during the NFL draft, hopefully you got a chance to to tune in for those two days. It was fantastic. They even did a post-draft show on Saturday when it was all said and done, but RK was representing the brand well. He had a knucklehead shirt on, and everybody wanted to see knucklehead. That's that's definitely one of the coolest new additions that we've had to uh, our gear, our gear line over at the DNVR locker. So without further ado, it's uh, not a fun topic to discuss, but it needs to be broached nevertheless. Minor League Baseball may be losing 42 teams Major League Baseball is just trying to streamline things a little bit. The draft is already going to be shortened anywhere from five to ten rounds. It will be at least five rounds. We don't know what it will top out at. But with less players, uh, that means there's less teams that can be filled. So Major League Baseball may be somewhat taking advantage of this opportunity of of COVID-19, unfortunately. Uh, and and shortening the draft to then say, hey, sorry guys, uh, sorry you short season teams. There simply aren't enough players for you, and that really expedites this whole situation. So, Nathaniel, I had originally talked with you this past off season in the winter when the season ended, and there was an article written by Baseball America talking about, hey, what are the next two cities that MLB would expand. And of course, you know, Vancouver, Memphis, San Antonio, a lot, a lot of different cities been bandied about Montreal, uh, possibly getting a team. But ultimately from reading that, I began to think, well, wait a minute. If major league baseball expands by two teams, that means minor league baseball will need to expand because, Hey, you can't share in the, in the current system we have today, you couldn't say, all right, Albuquerque Isotopes, you, you represent the Colorado Rockies, but also the Vancouver Canadians. H- how are you going to have two AAA teams playing in, in one ballpark or really being a part of one team simultaneously? You'd simply need to expand. So from there, that really, uh, if you can't tell, Nathaniel's into the analytics. He likes diving deep into things. He's a curious young man. And you got going with that. You started crunching all the different numbers. And then all of a sudden it didn't, it, the discussion wasn't about more minor league baseball teams, which this the discussion wasn't there at all either. We were getting ahead of the trend, but the discussion became about losing some of those teams. So Nathaniel, what were your, what have you been your thoughts in, in this little fun, little side project that we've been conducting for the past several months? What, how do you feel about minor league baseball retraction? 
Well, it does make me a bit sad. I mean, whenever we first started this project, a few of the things that we talked about are happening. Like, we talked about the Appalachian League being, you know, semi... not. It's not well run. It doesn't have attendance. Um, but it's sad to lose these teams. But at the same time, it, it does... Uh, makes sense whenever you're looking at it and you see the teams that are being retract that are being contracted are they have very specific reasons um some of them don't uh like the chattanooga lookouts there is absolutely no reason chattanooga should be contracted they have a i mean not a new stadium but it's newer than you know 50 other teams they have good attendance they have they're in a good location but then there's other teams like the jackson generals which on our list ranks lower than several appalachian league teams um and there there's various reasons uh yeah it's so what are the facts so the there were things that are looking at. Yeah, it's um. We looked at the market, uh, specifically via population, because that's size of market, uh, metropolitan population, because that's what each team's, uh, metropolitan. Sorry, misspoke earlier. Uh, population, um, because that's where these teams are servicing. You're not gonna. I mean, you do get some pull from outside. Of your metropolitan area, but not much, especially for my minor league teams. Um, and then we looked at distance from other teams. Uh, it doesn't really matter that much for AAA, but in AA, um, I had a conversation with Dan Evans and Sabre. Uh, he talked about how whenever he worked for, as he put it, a AA Texas League team, those bus rides were awful. And if you look at the MLB rule book, you can see these distance uh, rules in place, and they can give you an indication of how far a team should be from other teams. Um, we looked at whether or not an area is currently inside another protected area. Um, if there's independent league teams around, how much history a certain area has had. Um, Jackson has had 40 seasons, whereas the Elizabethan Twins have had 147 combined seasons. Um we looked at how old the stadium is. Uh, Jackson's, again, 1997, which is not good. It's a older state. I mean, I know people talk about Coors Field being old, but it's ages differently. That has better upkeep, better facilities. Um, they have extremely – we look at attendance. That should be a huge one is how much attendance – Amarillo had over uh, had the second most in the Texas League last year, um, despite having only a population of two hundred sixty thousand and being out in the middle of nowhere. They yeah over 6,000, 6,300 people, 
And, uh, and some of that, of course, has to do with the fact that they, as you mentioned earlier with Hodgetown, you know, that they got a new stadium. And, and, and frankly, that's what Major League Baseball is looking to do. It's, you know, they're part of the negotiation, I think, is they want really good facilities yeah. for their players. And I think they are they're u- using that, I think, to their advantage to say, look, you, you guys need to some of these locations need to step things up. And what you also end up doing is if you can, you know, create more competition, because as, as I began this, this conversation off, it was about, Hey, what are going to be the new cities and new locations for these minor league teams? Up to this point, every team has uh, at least five teams in their minor league system, four full season teams and at least one short season team. And so that's going to be 10 cities all across the U.S. and and maybe even parts of Canada that get expanded upon. Well, if you lop off 42 teams, now that's 42 new places that at least new baseball at one point, maybe they have a stadium in place that just needs refurbishing. And, and they need to take better care of it, like you said, with 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 how well the Monforts have done with Coors Field for the third oldest ballpark in the National League. Well, now you're creating a lot of competition, and you very well could have one of these teams that, that lose uh, their team say, all right, well, I guess we need to just build a brand new stadium because we need baseball back. It really crippled our community. And that's the saddest part is the fact that, as you said, if, if Elizabethton uh, down in Tennessee – They've had baseball for over 100 years, minor league organized professional baseball for over 100 years. But unfortunately, the Appalachian League is 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 not a great, not a great situation. It's, it's yeah. not a great situation. So let's get into those teams that are on their way out. So ultimately, there are four short season leagues all throughout the uh, minor league baseball. There are two that are considered rookie level. So those are kids that are basically being drafted right out of high school. And then there is the uh, advanced short season. And those are more of the college level kids. So the two rookie league short season uh, leagues are on the way out. The Appalachian League, which we've we've touched on, and you know, that's that's in the Appalachian Mountains, and Thomas Harding told me it, it has to be pronounced Appalachian. It's not Appalachian. It's Appalachian. Um, that that whole league is gone on their way out, and so is the Pioneer League, which is right here in that Rocky Mountain region. So that would mean that the Grand Junction Rockies would no would cease to exist under the minor league baseball banner and so would the rocky mountain vibes down in colorado springs formerly the colorado springs sky Sox. in other words in 2018 the colorado sky Sox are a triple a organization in 2019 they've got to wait an extra two months to start their season as they are now on the lowest rung Mm -hmm. and potentially 2020 2021 they cease to exist shocking and it's it's definitely something that's extremely shocking um if i could throw some league comparisons out there um the pioneer league has performed better and has newer stadiums than that of surviving leagues like the california league and uh newer stadiums not more attendance than the carolina league uh, of course, it has 
New it, now I know the Florida State League operates out of spring training facilities, but the spring training facilities are older than that of the of the Pioneer League, and the stadium attendance is over is about a thousand people lower on average. And I know that those numbers don't necessarily matter to the MLB teams, but in the name of in, tr- in the name of good baseball, they really should. Um, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. The the Appalachian League is you know struggles for that, and and, and really the the Pioneer League is is probably the the one league that you know all things being equal, I think the biggest issue is getting on the bus and driving because you've got teams way up in Montana. You've got the, the two teams in Colorado. You've got like a five-hour bus ride. It could even be longer with stops to go from Grand Junction to Colorado Springs where the vibes play. So that that is not pleasant no. to, to have to do that trip. And you got to do it twice because now you got to go back through Grand Junction to get to you know Orem, Utah or Ogden, one uh-huh. of those places. So it's just too spread out and to jump on small, you know, aircrafts and things of that nature, that just becomes too expensive. So that's, that's not feasible. Appalachian league is a little, you know, closer together, Florida state league. Again, you could jump on a bus. Maybe you're talking about, you know, two hour trips, but the pioneer league is just too far spread out. And that, that becomes, you know, part of that issue. Frankly, major league baseball, feels that they can develop their players without giving them those experiences on the buses. And I think to a degree that that makes sense. I don't think you need to have those crash Davis and nuke Lelouch moments where you're sitting on the bus teaching, you know, the, the young guy how to have an interview and be a little bit more savvy with the, the media and press. I think you can, again, develop guys skills in those complex leagues without, you know, there being a lot of fan engagement. That's a shame that, you know, there are fans that, you know, that, that basically that baseball is being played at a, at a high level, at a professional level, but to no fans because it's ultimately just an exhibition to yeah. develop players. Well, and now, while, there, the, while that is true, um, and you're, you're right, the, um, the, Distance in the bus rides might not be necessary, but the problem is, especially with the way that they want to contract things, places like Ogden and Orem and Colorado Springs, who frankly should have minor league baseball teams. They're, you know, perfect locations, perfect candidates. The only other place they qualify for is the Pacific Coast League, which is being cut down to 10 teams and currently, obviously, has much better mar- markets to compete with. Um, so these smaller cities with, you know, 600,000 people, despite having the fan base and the ability to get fans out there, just, you know, won't have their chance anymore. And for those that, and for those who haven't seen the list of the teams uh, that will get retracted... There are no AAA teams, so when Sunshine mentions that the PCL will go down to 10 teams, that what that means is the teams that are in the eastern half of the Pacific Coast League, like Memphis, believe it or not, is considered in the Pacific Coast League, as yep. well as Nashville, Tennessee, 
considered as being in the Pacific Coast League, they will just move over to the International League on the East Coast. So mm-hmm. yeah, you'll have you'll have some imbalance, if you will, with you know twenty teams in one AAA and ten in another. That doesn't really matter too much. Sure, the PCL is going to get worn out playing the same teams over and over again, much more so than the International League. But again, we're talking about developing players, and you know you can you can do that without them seeing you know, different players and different teams and going to different locations over and over again. So the one short season league that would survive this ordeal was the Northwest League. And ultimately, I think that's because, you know, of the four short season leagues, that's the one spot where ultimately I think the weather will will be most sustainable because – once you, once you, and there's going to be a lot of rain. There's going to be a lot of rainouts too in the Northwest League, but that is an area that had a lot, has a lot of history uh, with with their minor league teams. And if if you're going to lop off 42 teams, you there are not 42 short season teams. Let me put it like that. There are there are only about 30 of those short season teams, give or take. So now if you're getting rid of 12 more. Then you know you 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 got to create room because there are some low class A teams, there's some high class A, there's even four double A teams. So you're not going to expand and have four brand new double A teams. What you're going to do is you're going to move around, you're going to change some different things. In fact, Fresno is currently in the PCL, and under the model that Sunshine and I have looked at, they would most likely drop down into the California League, and out of the California League would be the Lancaster Jethawks, who is the high class A affiliate of the Rockies. So the Jethawks would no longer exist and then taking their place in the Cal League would be uh, the Fresno Giants, or excuse me, Fresno Grizzlies, as they're known now. So there's a lot of shuffling, but the Northwest League would go from short season to full season. Um, what is your take on that? Um, Sunshine is, is is that probably the best of the short seasons yes. to survive, or is the New York Penn League yes. maybe more um, viable? No, the North the definitely based on what MLB is doing. Because something that I do agree with MLB doing is they are trying to get minor leagues closer to their uh, closer to their affiliates and. That's why the PCL is going down to 10 teams. They want the West, the AL and NL West being uh, in the Western minor league teams. Um, the, the And it's not, it's not perfect, right? Be, no. It's not perfect because there are simply no teams around Colorado. So when we say we want there, you know, there to be some, you know, geographic, you know, sense made yeah. out of the locations of these minor league teams. It, it's really more of the league. So yeah, you could go, yeah. Hey, well, grand junction could be double a, and the vibes could be triple a, it, not exactly like that. No. And the, and the idea is just to prevent Colorado from having to deal with a double a team all the way out East in Hartford or San Francisco, having their double a team all the way out East in Richmond. When those guys in double a are, you know, some of them are less than one step away. They could make the jump from double A and contribute with the yeah. big league club. So they, they want it so that, Hey, the Northwest league, there is West in that title. So let's have those 10 teams be associated with the 10 teams in the NL West and the AL West. Well, 
so yes, uh, those teams would not most likely be. Uh, I we talked about this a couple of days ago. Would most likely not become a double A uh, league, but it would. There is one region that does not currently have a Western region, and that is Class A. Um, you know, we currently only have two uh, leagues in Class A. We have the Midwest League and the uh, we have the Midwest League and the uh, Sally League, uh, South Atlantic League. And the way that they've talked about changing this previously is they've talked about creating a new Mid-Atlantic League, which in this case doesn't necessarily make sense unless you are going to be moving down the Midwest League to A-Advanced instead. Or, you know, the way that it's set up. Um, The Northwest League basically will be upgraded to one of those positions because there's not one in the West. I believe only only Class A doesn't have one in the West because obviously you have the PCL, then you have the Texas League, which is still center of the country, but it's closer to the West. It does stretch <laughs> all the way to New Mexico. They had a team in Albuquerque all the way for until 2007. So that's, you know, that's their Western League for AA. For Class A, their closest one is the Midwest League. And I, I think um, sending... Sending some, you know, sending an LA team to the Detroit area is not exactly anywhere near the geography that MLB has been talking about. So Northwest League yeah, will you- mo- most likely move up there. A Advanced will stay at the California League, and then, um, or they'll move up to Class A. A Advanced will stay with the California League. Class A will be the Northwest League, and then no short season leagues. Um, yeah, if you can just basically, if you can have smaller leagues, even if there's only 10 teams, and that's that's monotonous, players you know, are not big fans of going to the same locations over and over and over again. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's better financially for the, for the owners of those minor league teams and for Major League Baseball <laughs> to get around and, and see all those players rather than, you know, again, going from 10 teams to – you know, something like the Midwest League, you know, has about has 16 teams. Mm-hmm. Well, now those think about just basically churning off the fat of the 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 outskirts, those final six teams that would be on the the outer edge of the Midwest League. Well, you trim that off. Now you got a league where it's just that much closer. The bus rides are, you know, that much shorter. It's easier for the scouts to, to go where they need to go or the traveling coaches, you know, things of that nature. And it, it just makes for a better overall system and yeah it does come at the cost of those 42 cities all across the united states yeah and it's it's sad but that specific portion of minor league of mlb not minor of the minor league realignment does make sense i mean there's no way that Fresno should be who, who is Fresno the affiliate of the Nationals, right? Or are they not? Yes, Washington yes. DC. Yes. yes, they are <laughs> their AAA the, club across the country. There is no reason that 
Fresno and Washington D.C. should be affiliated in in any way. I mean, the and there's no well, reason the um, there's the, no reason for Milwaukee to be associated with Colorado Springs, but that was the case because yeah. once the Rockies <laughs> decided, you know what, we we have Colorado Springs. If you grew up in Colorado Springs, you're rooting for us. There's no you could bring the Dodgers in, you could bring the Yankees in to Colorado Springs. And, and use them as their AAA affiliate. Those people are still buying purple caps. They're bu- they're supporting yeah. the Rockies. So why don't we expand our footprint and let's go ahead and associate ourselves with the Albuquerque Isotopes? And once that happened, it was it was a game of of <laughs> why can't I think of the musical chairs? Wow, that yeah. was a hard one. Uh, it was a game of musical chairs, and some teams got left out in the cold. It's one of the reasons why the Mets ended up purchasing. Uh, Syracuse, the Syracuse yeah. Chiefs, because they were affiliated with Las Vegas. So they went and they said, shoot, we're going to have to fix this ourselves. We need to go ahead and buy the Syracuse Chiefs, Sky Chiefs, and you know rebrand them as the Syracuse Mets. So this is part of, of the issue that's going on with minor league baseball, that major league baseball is saying, we don't want our teams to have to deal with just, hey, musical chairs, who's the last team out on the outside? That's really going to get screwed over here. So let's create a new system. It's something that hasn't been done in 20 years since really minor league baseball, you know, officially affiliated itself in a major way with with the big leagues in 1990. So I I will it's, say it's pretty wild. I will say to your point that um, what the Rockies did in expanding their territory to Albuquerque was ultimately how minor league baseball is supposed to work. Albuquerque doesn't really have a foothold on anywhere. Like you said, Colorado Springs will buy purple caps no matter what. But Albuquerque, I mean, you have fans who could be Rangers fans. You have fans who could be um, Diamondbacks fans and the Rockies. And that that kind of push with their affiliate is a way that you can genuinely expand your territory and get more people buying purple caps, if you will. Colorado um, supports Colorado, and yeah. that's why if you're going to support any Colorado business serving some delicious pizza, it's got to be Bojo's. It's the one place you can get the true Colorado mountain pie, and they're offering you a 30% off discount of your takeout when you call them up and ask for it. Just mention it. You don't even have to say the code word DNVR. We we would appreciate it if you did, of course. But they've got six locations all over the Colorado and Denver metro area. We got one up by me in, in Boulder here. Uh, there's one in Longmont. It's fantastic. They got gluten-free, cheeseless pizza options, plant-based options, and it, it's fantastic. Again, Bojo's is going to give you 30% off your takeout when you go ahead and ask for it. And last week, I asked our listeners – the sports column question of the week, which was, you know, what are some places in in Colorado that you think would be great, or even in the Rocky Mountain region would be great for minor league baseball? And so, Nathaniel, I'll ask you that because you've got some of the stats and figures regarding the Rocky Mountain region. And if, let's say, the Pioneer League does stay in business, well, shoot, if they wanted to expand, what are some of those other places that professional baseball could go in this Rocky Mountain region? Well, the one that points out at me is Fort Collins, Colorado. Um, 
it's far enough away from the Rockies uh, where it's not it's it's uh, bordering their protected territory, but it's not encroaching on it. It has a pretty good sized population for the Pioneer League at three hundred thirty thousand people, um, and they are you know they would be great travel partners for the Rocky Mountain Vibes. Right now, their travel partners are with uh, the Grand with Grand Junction, and that can remain they could end up becoming a um trio kind of travel partners that go and they all go do their thing together across montana and idaho and utah and then all come back and i know those kind of ways are how you save money um so fort collins at least on my list is the best place to go following that you have uh you have Boulder and Greeley, which are following pretty close. Boulder is in the Rockies' protected territory, so most likely the Rockies would not allow it unless they were to own a piece of it. Uh, but Greeley is interesting because that they that area has been in talks with uh, has been in talks with the Orem Owls even though Orem ranks higher on this list than Greeley, ranks higher than the Orem, or talks, in talks with the Orem Owls to relocate there and create this whole new baseball complex because the owner has been wanting to leave Orem for a couple years now. Originally was in talks with Pueblo, Colorado, but um, now seems to be in talks with Greeley, which is slightly further than Fort Collins and um, slightly further than Fort Collins and Pueblo to uh, to Colorado Springs, and and one of the locations too. It you know it, it, whether it's Fort Collins or Greeley or even a Loveland because you know that would that would make for an interesting situation. You've got the Budweiser Event Center mm-hmm. where you know currently the the Colorado Eagles play of of the AHL um the Avalanche top minor league affiliate so and and they pack that building out each and every night uh, over 5000 and there's been some discussion there about possibly building a new arena for them so you could you could build a a pretty cool little minor league metropolis up there in the Loveland Wind- yeah. Windsor area kind of kind of pulling people from that that Fort Collins neighborhood and and you could have a, a team there and, and maybe Pueblo does still end up getting a team so you could have three uh, on the on the eastern coast yeah. Casper was way down at the bottom of the pioneer uh, potential list uh, you even had St. George Utah you know fitting fitting way above that it's it's interesting because the two teams in the pioneer league that we were discussing before we started recording uh, at the bottom of the pioneer league is the Missoula Osprey uh, who recently uh, rebranded to the Paddleheads? Yes, um, which is a, a fun take on 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 the moose, their their antlers, and the Great Falls Voyagers, and both of those, you know, they ultimately have uh, a metro population of of only about a hundred thousand. So that's that's very low when you compare it to uh, a lot of the other teams that are that are in the Pioneer League. And so again, if you mentioned it earlier, if you don't have a big pool to pull from. Population wise, population wise, uh, then then obviously that's going to um, negatively affect your uh, 
Yeah, that's going to negative. I mean, there's only so many people that are going to show up to the games. So, 82,000, like Great Falls services people of 82,000 people. I'm sure you don't want to be sending ads for hats to only 82,000 people. You'd much rather be doing it in Boise, for which I know is a Northwest League team, but uh, which has 600,000 people. You know, it has a uh, big difference, huge difference. I mean, um, the size of the market, there's a reason why, you know, they, why all these teams, you know, major league teams are always in huge markets because that's where you make them. That's where you make money. And for these teams to make money, it's just, it's extremely difficult unless you get an insane amount of insane percent of your population going to these games, uh, which they do not. um, You're not going to make very much money. Yeah, no two ways about it. Well, Nathaniel, thank you so much for for joining us and uh, supplying us with with some of that minor league uh, knowledge that that you have out there. Because there's there's not too many of us that care about those small little cities across the United States and and the 160 minor league teams that that feed into Major League Baseball. There's a lot to love about it, uh, and I and I definitely appreciate your passion and thank you for joining us today. Of course. Thank you for having me. Well, that'll do it for Minor League Monday. Please give us a, a follow at DNVR underscore Rockies. Nathaniel, what's what's your Twitter handle there in case folks want to hear about some of the different articles you, you're going to be writing? Yeah, so I have, um, I have a pretty fairly active Twitter. Uh, my Twitter handle is at at n underscore sunshine underscore 55 on Twitter. And you can follow me for updates on my various projects, uh, like my wind speed project. I'm currently working on a project uh, on the minor league project. And then of course I'm working on a project that converts every single baseball stadium to the polo grounds. And I'm hoping to get that up in the next week or so. Um, so, yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely, yeah. Anytime, we'll, we'll definitely do it again soon. So, again, at DNVR underscore Rockies, at Patrick D. Lyons, and from my homie, at Drew Creaseman, give us a follow. This has been fun. And, hey, what do you say we do it next week? <laughs>